This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Starting in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3, and I think I'll ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Paul writing says, I want to know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. I want to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Then I have hope that I myself will be raised from the dead. I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason that he made me his. Brothers and sisters, I know that I have not yet reached that goal, but there is one thing I do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead I keep trying to reach the goal and, goal and get the prize for which God called me through Christ to the life above. You may be seated. Now you may remember that when we started this several weeks ago that I challenged you that I did not want this to be just an opportunity for you to hear a Bible lesson with three points and a poem, but that I sincerely wanted God to speak to your life. And there are two questions that I think you have to ask yourself every Sunday when you hear these messages. The first question that you have to ask yourself is how do I apply the teaching of this scripture to my life? What is this scripture saying to me? How do I apply this teaching to the scripture of my own life? Because if you hear it but you don't apply it, then you're just what Jesus said when he said a foolish man hears it but doesn't do anything with it. He goes on just as he was before and he is no better. And he likened him to a man who built his house on the sand. The second question you should ask is, when will I be obedient to what I am learning? You recall that every Sunday when it's, we get to the end, I, I give you homework. I give you something to think about, something for you to work on. And you have to answer that question, when am I going to be obedient to what God in fact is teaching me? And what I'm saying is that it's important that you make yourself accountable. That by some means or another you make yourself accountable that you are trying to do these things to draw closer to God and to know Him in a better way. A few days ago I had the opportunity to share a meal with one of the men in our church who was working through a particular situation in his life and he said to me he said pastor I think what I'm asking you is what do I need to do and I said well I'm just going to give you the way that I try to do it 
I don't know if this will work for you, but this is what I do. I get up every day and I try to make one faithful, obedient step toward God. Just try to make one obedient, faithful step toward God every day. And if you do that every day, in a week you've made seven steps. And in a month you've made 30 steps. And in a year you've made over 300 steps. You're just moving closer, taking one step at a time. You can't fix everything in a day. You can't fix all of your past in a week. But if you just keep making steps and you keep going forward, then God is, will help you to be able to apply what you're hearing and come closer to God and live closer to Him in your own heart. It's what this message today is really all about. Never satisfied. Never satisfied with the extent of where I am and what my life is. Wanting more, wanting to do more. In fact, if you wanted to caption the passage that I just read to you, those five verses, if you wanted to caption them, a good way to do that is to simply say, I want more. That's what Paul's saying. I want more. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I want more. More. How about saying that with me? I want more. Say it one more time. That's what God wants. He wants there to be a drive in you that says, I'm not everything that I want to be. I want more. I'm not satisfied with where I am. So a few weeks ago when I was sitting at my desk trying to figure out how to say this, it occurred to me that what Paul is describing here could probably also be described as a holy discontent. A man who is dedicated to God and has given his life to telling people about Jesus. But this very same man has a holy discontent. Unless you say, well, yeah, that's easy for him. He's a preacher. He's famous. He no. His life has been quite the experience. Look at the screen and take notice of 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. He writes to the Corinthian church. He said, he's talking about these who criticize. He said, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if I'm insane. I'm more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonment, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been in frequent journeys in dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. Dangers from my own countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers on the sea. Dangers among my false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And then he says, and apart from all of that, the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. And you thought you were having a bad day when they put cheese on your breakfast biscuit. Or they didn't put enough Sweetener in your latte this morning. 
And yet Paul says, when I look at all of that stuff that I've been through, as we talked about last week, he said, none of that matters to me. It doesn't matter to me what I've been through. It doesn't matter to me what I've experienced. I am not satisfied with my relationship with Christ and I want more. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say to me, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. I have that holy discontent in my spirit and I'm not satisfied with where I am. Now let me make sure you understand before we get into the meat of this what we're talking about. This holy discontent is not the fact that he is concerned that he's not doing enough for God. It's not that he thinks that he's fallen out with God or committing some sin that separates or violates his relationship with God. This holy discontent is Paul saying, I don't worship him at a level like I want to. I want to worship him at a deeper level. I want to go more into his presence. I want to know more about who he is. I want to love people the way God wants me to love him. I want to feel the power of God in ways that I've never felt before. And my frustration is I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Maybe that's the way some of you feel. I love the Lord with all of my heart. But sometimes when I sit in this sanctuary and pray, I tell God, I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. I want to go deeper. I want to know you more. I want to know the power of God. I want to see the hand of God. I want to experience God in ways that I've never experienced Him before. So how do you do that? Well, I want to lift up three words. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit in this house. I want to lift up three words in this, in this passage that I think will help you get there if you'll follow closely along. First one is the word discontent. The second is the word forgetting. The third word is reaching. Let's look at discontent. We've been talking about it a little bit. Paul says, I'm not there yet. I don't want you to get the impression. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm there yet. I'm doing the very best that I can. I'm trying to get there, but I know that I haven't reached the goal yet. So how do you manage a spiritual discontent and keep making progress toward the more of Christ? Well, first of all, you have to know yourself. You've got to know who you are. You can never lie to yourself that where you are right now is enough. You cannot lie to yourself that you've reached it, that you've made it. That's what Paul's saying. I have to be honest with myself. I'm not there. I haven't achieved what I'm trying to achieve in Christ Jesus. You have to admit where your spiritual weaknesses are. We talked a little bit about this last week. You have to recognize the things that you know need to be addressed in your life. Shelly and I, from time to time, we, we want to check ourselves and make sure we talk about this. We want to make sure that we're not allowing anything from any outside source to come in that would draw us away from the Lord. Even subtle things, even conversations, even the refusal to engage in some conversations. Simply because their design is to pull me away 
Ask yourself, where are the things that I am likely to slip up on? Where are my tendencies to, to allow influences that will pull me away from a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Some of you sitting here today, you need to address the insecurities that you have with God. They pull you away because you think you're not worthy. You think you're not accepted. You think you're not deserving. You have to know yourself. You have to understand the influence of distractions. You've got to know yourself. Where are you likely to be distracted? What gets your attention? What captures your attention? What pulls you away from a full and complete commitment to Jesus Christ? Not only must you know yourself, but you have to be careful that you measure yourself only against the model of Jesus Christ. When you measure your relationship with God, don't, you can't measure that against somebody else. You hear what I'm saying? You can't look at other people and measure yourself and say, well, I'm as good as she is. Or I'm not as bad as he is. Because that kind of measuring is dangerous. It's foolish because it will lead you to believe that you are closer to God than you actually are. You hear what I'm saying? You, you, if you want to measure yourself, measure yourself to the example of Jesus Christ. It's His holiness and His perfection that will keep you humble. And thirdly, you have to surround yourself with the right people. Surround yourself with spiritual giants. If, if you're managing the discontent of your life, perhaps you need to surround yourself with people who spiritually intimidate you a little bit. Now you say, well, that, that sounds like a, that sounds a moment ago like you, you contrasted yourself or you conflicted yourself. No, I'm, I'm just saying I'm not measuring myself against them. But there's value in being in the presence of people who walk close to God. And there are some spiritual giants in the room. And you know what the tragedy is, and I thought about this. Sometimes if we're not careful, we get so busy that we fail to appreciate that we have lived in the shadow of people who have walked deeply with God and yet we have never allowed them to invest in us. You know, someone, we've got some new converts in our church. And we've been working with them. Jason Atkins and Tracy Vest and I have been meeting with them and Leah Jones every week. And a couple of weeks ago we were talking about prayer. And what it means to pray and how to pray. And somebody said, well I feel like that my prayer life is so simple and it's so nothing. That God would not, you know, there's just nothing there. How do I pray better? And I said, well you know what I would do? I would find a couple of the women or men in our church that you have confidence in and I'd say, can I pray with you? The next time you go to prayer, can I come and pray with you? Can I spend some time praying? Because that you can learn how to pray when you pray with people who know how to talk to God. Come on now. You know, I'm just saying, they're spirit. There are spiritual giants in the room. Men and women who walk with God in the fullness of his presence. And what you got to do is you got to get just as close to them as you can so that that anointing that's on their life will be on you as well. 
It would be dangerous to start calling names, but I'm just telling you, if you're looking for a spiritual giant, come and see me. I'll tell you who a few are, and I'll tell you, you can walk with them, and they can teach you how to be what you need to be. They've paid the price. They've they've gone down the road where you're walking. They can help you make the next step. I got to be careful I don't do too many rabbit trails here. There was an old man in my daddy's church by the name of Paul Bradshaw. Brother Bradshaw was probably in his 60s when I was a teenager. And he had the craziest shout that you ever saw in your life. When the Holy Spirit would fall on him, he'd go, Honda! Honda! That's how you knew the Lord was moving at our church. Brother Bradshaw... You know, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a smart aleck, and I think I'm smarter than most of the people in the church. I'm sitting back there with my friends, and we were just making fun of Brother Bradshaw. Honda! Honda! Honda, I'm going to Burger King. Get me something to eat. Honda, I'm going to ask that girl out for a date. That was just the way we did. It was terrible. Terrible. Brother Bradshaw had a Monday night men's prayer meeting. And uh, I went to that prayer meeting one Monday night. And I knew why, after I went to that prayer meeting, why Brother Bradshaw had so much power with God. Because he would pray and pray and pray. And when you'd think the prayer meeting was over, it's okay, we're about to get started here now. And at that particular time in my life, I was seeking for the Holy Ghost. No wonder I hadn't gotten it yet, but. I got down on the altar and Brother Bradshaw got to laying his hands on me. And you know what happened. The moment he laid his hands on me, flashback every time I'd ever made fun of him. And I stood up and I said, Brother Bradshaw, just stop a second. I'm not going to get anywhere until I make this right. I need you to forgive me. I have made fun of the way you've shouted for a long, long time. And a big old grin came on his face, and he said, oh, boy, just don't worry about that. He said, I ain't shouting for you anyway. (laughs) He said, but if I can teach you how to shout, just keep going. Spiritual giants, find them. Surround yourself with them. Manage your discontent. Here's the second word. The second word is the word forgetting. Paul says, I'm forgetting the past, straining toward what's ahead, trying to reach the goal. What is he trying to forget? When he says forgetting the past, is he talking about the hurts, the heartaches, the the sorrows, the difficulties? What is it he's trying to forget and let go of? Now, Now, it would be easy just to say, well, he's just trying to forget everything that's behind him. Not necessarily, because he just, in the scripture I just read to you, he recounted everything. He's not trying to forget everything he's gone through. But I do believe there's two things that Paul would tell us that we have to let go of. If we're going to walk closer with God, if we're going to be in the fullness of his presence, there are two things that we have to let go of. First of all, you have to let go of the victories that have made you feel secure in where you've been. 
You cannot live on where you've been. Can I just tell somebody in this room today, God is not talking to you about where you've been. His conversations with you are where you are, where you're going. Where you are, where you're going. Whatever's been forgiven is forgotten. And it's back, it's, it's back there, it's no longer bothering you. Where you are, where you're going. Letting go of the experiences, the victories that have made you secure in where you've been. Because sometimes we, we talk a lot about where we've been, but we're not talking about where we're going. We've talked a lot about what we've been through, but we're not talking about where we are. You have to have a fresh and daily grace walk with God every day. And it has to be fresh. And yesterday's manna will not work. Yesterday's grace will not work. You have to have it today for this day. And God is promising you the grace that you need every day. You have to trust Him every day that you get up, that God is giving you the grace that you need. Now watch out for this. Watch out for the pride that causes you to rest on what you have seen and what you have experienced. Here's an example. Moses was called by God to come up on the mountain. And God said, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of this rock and my glory is going to pass by here. You can't look at me and live, but you can see my glory. And Moses hid in the cleft of that rock. The glory of God passed by. And when he came off of the mountain, the Bible said the children of Israel saw that his face glowed because he had seen the glory of the Lord. And he had that tangible, visible glow about him that said, I've been with him. I've been in his presence. I've been in his glory. I've been with God. But in time, that glow faded away. So what did Moses do? Instead of going back and getting a fresh experience, he put a mask over his face so that people could not see that the glory was no longer there. See, if you're not careful, your pride will cause you to go around trying to fake people out about where you are with God. Trying to fake people out with what kind of experience and make them think about the girl or the guy that you used to be. God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to live in the freshness of this moment. He wants you to live in the freshness of His grace. His mercies are new every day. His glory is new every day. His power is new every day. You can have a fresh daily experience with God. You have to let go of the victories that you made you secure. The church at Laodicea, they felt so secure. They said to God, we are good. We don't need anything. And God said, you're crazy. You don't even see yourself the way you really are. You're naked. You're miserable. And you need me. Let go. Watch for the pride that will cause you to think that you are better than you are. Number two, you have to let go of the experiences that might draw you away from God. I say this very, very carefully. 
your past, what you were before you came to Christ, can be a stumbling block to you if you don't let go of it. What God has saved you from is no longer on your record anymore. You hear what I'm saying? What God forgave you for. That's why we say it every Sunday. That if you say that prayer sincerely, if you tell God that you're sorry, the moment that you tell God you're sorry, He washes away your sins and it's as if you never done them before. So what's the problem? The problem is that we remember them. And sometimes as we move closer to God, the enemy has a way of saying, you're not worthy. Remember what you did? Remember who you slept with? Remember what you took? Remember what you stole? Remember how you lied? And if you're not careful... You'll begin to live in a substandard way with God, believing that you are not worthy. You know, I I grew up as a son of a pastor. I, I don't say this with any kind of boastful pride. I've never taken a drink of alcohol. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never had any drugs in my system. I've never done any of those kind of things. I I don't have that crazy, wild testimony of the rescue of God. But I can tell you this. I can tell you the night that God saved me, I was just as dirty as the worst sinner in the world. You understand what I'm saying? There's no glory in trying to look back. There's no glory. There's no good in trying to remember. Paul says, listen, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to let go of the things that are back there so that I can press toward the things that are out there ahead of me. I'm not going to be tethered by where I've been. God's mercy. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. God's mercy and grace and his blood has cleaned me up and I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ and I'm going forward. That's what Paul's saying in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy he says, I remember who I was. I was a blasphemer. I was a wicked person. I was an aggressor. But I'm not that anymore because I was given mercy and grace. And God has redeemed me and made me this new person in Christ Jesus. The third word is reach. I'm discontented. I'm forgetting and I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Notice what he says and we'll be done. Come on, Jerome. I haven't already obtained it. And I'm not perfect. But I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. He says it twice. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And then he finishes by saying in 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So let me see if I can show this to you. Come here, Todd, hurry. Come here, quick, 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 quick. Here's the visual I want you to see as we finish. I don't care where I go, I want you right behind me. Don't get far. Stay close. Paul said, my former life, I was an aggressor. 
I chased after the church. I did everything I could to prevent the church from being the church. I killed people. I signed death warrants. I did everything that I could. I hauled them and put them into jail. I did everything that I could because I was trying to do what I thought I was supposed to do. But then the Damascus Road changed everything. And God changed him. Now, Todd, turn around. I'm going to follow you a moment. Here's what he says. Stop. I'm chasing that which once was chastened. God's anointing. God's purpose. God's purpose. God's plans. God's design. The things that God wanted to do in my life. The things that God had for me. I'm chasing that which once was chasing me. I'm not on a pursuit now for me. I'm after that that once was chasing me. Thank you, Todd. That's who I am. I'm reaching for it. I'm not there yet, but I'm reaching for it. I'm not not what I want to be yet, but I'm reaching for it. Anybody in this room say, I'm reaching for it. I'm reaching for what God has for me. I want more. I'm not satisfied where I am. I want more than what I am right now. If that's the way you feel, stand up. If that's the way you feel right now, I'm reaching for it. I'm reaching for it. I don't know when I'm going to get there. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I'm reaching for it. I'm going after it with all that's in my spirit. I've got some stuff. I've been through some things, but I'm reaching for it. I'm going after it. In the name of the Lord. You say, well, Brother Isaacs, what if I don't? What if I don't go after it? Here's the danger. Now that you know. Now that you know that there's more out there that God wants for you. Here's what my experience tells me. And if this confuses you, we have a room full of good elders and leaders. They'll help you. Come see us after church if you get confused by what I'm about to say. But once you know, if you don't go after it, it almost always turns into something else. You know what I'm saying? I've tasted of His glory. My heart is hungry for more. I know church has been crazy with COVID. I know it's been crazy in split services. I know the worship's been different in this environment. But it doesn't change the fact that I want more. I want more of His glory. I want more of His power. I want to get closer to Him. I want to to walk in His presence like never before. I'm reaching. You know what happened to the children of Israel? In January, I'm going to be preaching about this, but what happened in what happened to the children of Israel is they saw all of it. Willie, they saw the glory of God. They saw the miracles of God. They saw the power of God. You know what they did? They traded all of that for a golden calf. And they started worshiping a golden you say, oh, Brother Isaacs, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you will. 
If you don't go after God now that you've known, if you don't pursue after Him, you just think you're going to lazy around and just come to church whenever you want to and do whatever you want, you know what will happen? You'll be worshiping a golden calf before long. You'll justify in your heart and mind that it's okay. I don't have to be a part of the fellowship. I don't have to volunteer. I don't have to serve God. I don't have to sing with my whole heart. I can just go. No, you will start worshiping your own golden calf. It almost always turns into something else. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this house today. There is a sweet and precious anointing of God in this house today. We want more. We're not satisfied with where we are. We're not satisfied with what we've experienced. We want more. To the glory of our God in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.